All right, let's go to God in prayer right now, and then we're going to jump into our lesson. Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for the love you've shown us in so many ways. Uh, you love this God in ways that we don't see, don't even realize. But yet again, that's why you are who you are, because you continue to do things that amaze us, uh, things that we would never think of doing. You do and go beyond the norm. Father, thank you again. I pray that today's lesson will be one that you want us to hear, that you want us to learn from, and help it to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <laughs> amen. Title of today's lesson is Sin Stinks. Sin Stinks. I want to share some interesting facts with you about skunks. I say this dude come from the Midwest. All he preach on is geese and skunks and all kind. Yeah. I watch Animal Planet. We're going to have some good nature time. Here's some facts about skunks. You know, skunks have two glands behind them back there that produce a, an organic sulfur odor. It's like rotten eggs. Now, skunks can spray six to ten feet. You don't have to be right next to them. You can be nine feet away and get a full blast. The smell of a skunk can travel over two and a half miles. So it doesn't have to be right there near you. It can be miles away and you still smell the smell. Now the thing about it, once a skunk discharges the odor that it has, it has to take time to fully recharge again. And it takes up to 10 days if it empties everything out before it can totally be full again. So it's not like they can just keep spraying. It happens, but then it takes time to recharge and to build it back up. Now, a skunk can smell even when it's dead. So, for example, if it's dead laying there and then you're driving by and you roll over it again, it still will give off another shot of odor. So just because it's not a living heartbeat with it, those glands naturally produce that odor until it's totally disintegrated, those glands. Now... Sometimes we look and we think, oh, we can easily spot a skunk. But you know, there are spotted skunks. Skunks that don't have a stripe down the back, but they have spots on them. And even when they're born, they're born with no fur, but yet the fur grows into it. So some skunks have even spotted legs. So just because you look and say, oh, that's just a black cat because it doesn't have a stripe on it. Mmm. You got to be careful. You say, well, what good is a skunk? You know, skunks eat mice. Skunks eat insects. I mean, they do a lot of things. Uh, and they have a seven to ten year lifespan of a skunk. Now, the amazing thing about it is that skunks cannot stand the smell of mothballs. And I think of all the nerve, as bad as they smell, but they cannot stand the smell of mothballs. So that's one way to get rid of skunks if they're around your house or your garbage because they kind of get into everything is if you had mothballs sitting around, they would totally be repelled by mothballs. Now, the unique thing about a skunk is that once you've been sprayed, nobody wants to be around you. But the Bible tells us that our sin has the same effect on God as a skunk smell has on us. When there's sin in our life, God does not want to be around and hanging out with us in that kind of way. When sin dominates our lives, it creates a stench 
that's hard to overlook. Look in Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 20. You know, you can always tell when there's a skunk around and he's dead or he's offended. The skunks, they don't have like big fangs. I mean, their defense is their smell. And it's to the point that when predators just see the shape and color of a skunk, they stay away. They don't even go after and, and investigate or nudge at it. They just know that's a skunk and they just totally stay away from it. In Jeremiah 5, verse 20, It says, announce this to the house of Jacob and proclaim it to Judah. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people. You have eyes, but do not see. You have ears, but do not hear. You should not, should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? I made the sand a boundary for the sea, an everlasting boundary it cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. But these people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say to themselves, let us fear the Lord our God, who gives autumn and spring rains its season, who assures us of the regular weeks of harvest. Your wrongdoings have kept these things away. Your sins have deprived you of good. This is what the prophet is saying in verse 25. Again, your wrongdoings have kept these blessings from you. He says, I bless you. I bless you with harvest time. I bless you with the rains. I set up boundaries. I can do anything, but yet you keep doing what's wrong. And so I cannot bless you. Your sins, your lifestyle is keeping these blessings from you. And so this is what the Bible's talking about. Even Jesus talks about this in Matthew 5, 23. If we go to offer a gift and realize we have something against our brother, go reconcile. Don't even offer the gift. Why? Because it reeks of a bad heart of sin. Go deal with what needs to be dealt with before we try to act and put on the front of being a good-hearted Christian. Deal with what needs to be dealt with. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, Your iniquities have hidden, separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. What is it? Again, our sins have caused God to, you know what, I just can't even look over there. I can't even be with that. Look in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. That was a baby amen. I'm going to take it like that. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Husbands, if we don't treat our wives the way the Bible says, our prayers are going to be affected. Now, why would sin keep God from listening to us? Why would sin keep God from hearing our prayers? I can think of a few reasons. So let me give you a couple of them. Number one. God hates sin. God hates sin. It's just that simple. One writer wrote, God's wrath is his utter intolerance of whatever degrades and destroys. He hates sin 
as a mother hates the polio that would take the life of her child. In other words, God hates sin because it corrupts us, it endangers us, it destroys us. So why would he bless us for doing something that's hurtful to us? Again, that's what he says in Jeremiah 5.25. He's saying, listen, he's like begging these guys. Listen, your wrongdoings are stopping you from being blessed. Stop acting like that. Now, again, he's not saying, oh, you slipped up and got angry once. Or, oh, you slipped up and said a cuss word. He's not saying one little thing is just going to set him off. No, no, no. What he's saying is the lifestyle you are choosing to live is the issue. So I don't want you to walk away thinking, I can't make one mistake. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is when you choose to continue to live a certain way, that's the mistake that you're making there. And that's the problem. People often choose to live a sinful life. Why? Because it's easier to sin than it is to do what is right before God. And if you don't see a consequence to that sin, people will continue to do it over and over and over. Therefore, when we set our hearts to sin, God just stands back and says, you know what? If this is what you're going to choose to keep doing, I'm going to let you do it. But don't come calling me to bail you out time and time again. See, sometimes we can just be kind of dependent upon God and he's always going to take care of whatever we do so we can do whatever. God says, no, 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 there's going to come a time where if you insist on being that way, I'm just going to let you go. You know, that was one of the things, and this is why we need to learn from other people and sinful situations. My father smoked cigarettes for so many years and he had lung cancer. And they had to remove one of his lungs. But then he still kept smoking, even with one lung that was still kind of clogged up. And I looked at that and I thought, you know what? I will never smoke a day in my life. It wasn't because I was being righteous. It was because I saw what it did to him, to my mother, to our family. And I thought, you know what? I do not want to have that in my life. We can look and learn from different consequences that people suffer. But some people can be so addicted to a certain way of life that even though they see it leading to the end, they choose to stay in that position. Now, I love my dad. He was a great dad. He only whooped me once. Never forgot it. See? But he chose to continue to do something that was going to bring about his death. Dr. Dixon used to tell of a lady who had a very spoiled and strong-willed child. No names. One day, a wasp flew into the window, and the boy, seeing his brilliant colors, began to cry for it. And the, and the mother called out to the servant who was taking care of the child and said, What is the boy crying for? Whatever it is he wants, give it to him. So the servant returned to the boy. A few minutes later, the boy screamed out loud. The mother was shocked and said, what's wrong with him? The servant looked back in there and calmly said, he got what he wanted. He wanted that wasp so bad because he saw the black and yellow colors on it. And he kept begging and crying for it. Finally, when they did give it to him, that wasp stung the mess out of that boy. And then he starts screaming. You know, if we're determined to embrace sin in our lives, God's going to say, if you really want it, I'm going to let you have it. 
and you're not going to like what you get. One of the primary reasons why God does not listen to our prayers is if we're continually living a lifestyle of sin. The second reason that can hinder our prayers is because of shame. God won't listen because of shame. Not his shame, but ours. You know, sin not only smells bad to God, but it smells bad to us as well. Inside our hearts, we realize it's crazy to come before God in a lifestyle of sin and expect him to reward us. Look in Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. You say, it's summertime. I need a cheery message. No, we need a repenting message for the fall. We need something going to help us get out of this so we can start having tomorrow a labor of prayer, a good solid day. Because some of us, you know, the mood was kind of down because we had some rough summers this past week. But you know what? We all can repent and move on happily. We don't need to stay in that situation. Proverbs 13, verse 5, it says, The righteous hate what is false, but the wicked bring shame and disgrace. You know, because of sin, we can feel shame. And there are people that avoid God because they realize the sinfulness in their life and they feel shame. So they don't go to God because they have shame in their life. God can't hear your prayers if you're not even praying, guys. And if we have so much shame thinking, I can't even pray to God, he's never going to be able to hear your prayers because you're not even putting them out there before him. Think about Adam and Eve. Best relationship with God ever. Once they realized their sin, they felt shameful, tried to cover themselves up and hide themselves. God went looking for them because they stopped looking for God. When you have shame or sin in your life, you got to make sure, you know what, am I going to start running from God or am I still going to run to God to get myself where it needs to be? John Smithson once said, before I came to Christ, I practiced sin and committed acts of righteousness. The Israelites had gotten to the same habit of practicing sin. Sin was the norm for them. And then they started throwing on righteous acts. See, righteousness can't be an add-on for us. It's like croutons on a salad. Why I want croutons? Put some shrimp or a hamburger on that salad. Give me something real. But yet, we want these little bitty things, and we start to think, here, these acts of righteousness to clear me up. We need to practice righteousness as a lifestyle and let sin be abnormal, not the norm. God wasn't saying he wanted to hurt the Israelites Because, again, they had a bad thought or two. No, it's because they got into the habit of selfishness and of sinfulness. What do you mean? Guys, we got to make sure we're not getting into a habit of something. Why do I talk so much about being disciplined? Because then we'll get into the habit of being late for church, and that's just going to become our lifestyle. Being late for church, being late to sign up for stuff. 
being late for everything but work because it might get fired. We can't have that happen. So I'm there on time, but everything else in my life, I'll show up when I show up. Are you in a habit of being undisciplined? See, that stinks. That's what we're talking about. That's the kind of sin that stinks. Are you in a habit of not reading your Bible and praying every day? See, that stinks. Are you in a habit of watching porn? See, that stinks. Are you in the habit of getting a drink every single day? See, that stinks. See, instead of us thinking, man, life stinks, how about repent of the sin and you won't stink? But see, we got to understand sin has a stench about it. And it keeps God away and it brings shame to us. You say, well, how could the people of Israel be like this? They were God's chosen people. They committed themselves to God. Well, it happened like this. They left a corner of their life open to Satan. And once Satan has a foothold in their lives, he took over more and more of their lives until he totally controlled their lives. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Are y'all with me here today? Okay, it's, it's kind of it's unusually quiet up in here, but that's fine. I'm good. I'm still preaching. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. You know, a minister told of a certain man who wanted to sell his house. Another man wanted it very badly, but he was too poor to buy it. So the owner of the house said, you know what? I'll sell you the house for half the price under one condition. You have the whole house, but you give me one nail in that house right above the door. That's all I want. Everything else is yours. So the man bought the house for half the price. Time went on, and the guy that sold him the house went, and he found the carcass of a dead dog on the road. He took the dog, went back there, and he hung it up on the nail in that house, because that's all he owned was that one nail. So he hung that dead dog up there. The people that owned the house couldn't do anything because that wasn't their property anymore. And it got to the point that they could no longer live in that house because of the smell, and it was just disgusting. So then they sold the house back to their original owner for more than what they paid for. it. You know what? That's what Satan does. He says, you can live your perfect little Christian life, but if I get one little nail in your house, I'm going to bring back all the rotten garbage that you thought about. I'm going to hang it up there and destroy your house. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to just remind you of something bad over and over again. Put something horrible in your face that you see every single day and get it to the point that there's such a stench in your Christian house that you no longer have room for Christ to live there. And then Satan takes over that house and is worse than what it started out to be. Guys, we cannot give Satan even one nail in our Christian home. You need to think about this. Your Christian home Not just where you physically live, but your life. You are the temple of God. You can't give him one spot. You deal with the lack of discipline. You deal with whatever purity issues. You deal with whatever anger issues. 
deal with it, get help dealing with it. Do not let Satan nail up anything in your house. You say all these kids went to camp and they had a great time. They did. But what are they going to come home to? Are they coming home to a rotten dog nailed up to the front door? Are they coming home to a different house? You done put the, the dog out, buried it, took the nail out, got rid of it, and now this is Christ living here. See, that's the only way our families are going to flourish is if Christ lives in that home. Well, what does that mean? Break it down for us. Christ needs to live in you. You make up your home. Mom and dad arguing, fighting. It's got to get resolved. My wife and I had a little spat last week. We did. Preachers get into arguments and stuff with their wives. She repented. <laughs> but it was, uh, <laughs> it was my bad, too. It was 50-50. It was my husband. But you know what's funny about it is that my daughter sat me down and said, I need to talk to you for a minute. What is going on in your life? And I'm sitting there like, I ain't going to lie. First, I try to play it off. What do you mean? Well, I talked to mom last night. She said, y'all got into an argument. And I don't think y'all should be arguing like this and being mad at each other. I'm like, all right, you got me. (laughs) Well, she just wanted to sit down and make sure things were good. Guys, I wasn't angry with her doing it. I was more proud of her for taking that step to stand up to us and do this. But I realized, you know what? Not only did they realize there was an issue, but they also need to see the repentance in our marriage and that things aren't bad. Because I can't tell you how many times in my mind I saw my parents argue and I go to school or come back and I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to come home and they're going to be divorced or not. Because I saw them fighting. I never saw the flip side of them repenting and everything's were fine. And I said, you know what? Things are good. I'm good. You can go ask your mom. We done made up. Everything's fine. I wanted to make sure she knew she could be secure in this household because things had changed. Brings me to my last point here. Sin cannot be covered up. Sin cannot be covered up. Sin is a terrible thing. It creates a smell that's hard to bear around. Just think, just like a skunk. And a lot of people make the mistake of trying to cover up the smell. Well, how do you do that? They start doing good deeds. Start trying to do, let me do this, let me do that, let me do this, and not deal with the real issue. It's like the preteen boy that went out and played all day, then he came home, and whether he didn't have time or didn't want to, the shower was not an option for him. So instead, he put a lot of cologne on and deodorant. But you know what? It still didn't get rid of the smell. We often try to cover up stuff in our lives and think nobody can tell or I'm giving off a different impression than what's really there. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Sin stinks. The smell is there. You know, when you're out there, you know a skunk smell from anything else. It could be a dead rabbit there or a dead skunk. You're like, oh, that's a skunk. I can tell a skunk. It's obvious if you have the spirit of God in you when you see somebody else that's not living the way they need to live. Because it even makes your spirit a little bit off. When I was dating Lauren, I was living in Texas. 
And uh, she was in uh, uh, Louisiana. Um, I don't know if we were dating her. We were just trying to hook up. Anyway, we were together. <laughs> and I went down to Louisiana to visit her. And so she wanted to take me to the, the, the French market, right? That's what it's called, right? French quarters. French quarter. And you know, they got all that, 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 that stuff down there in Louisiana, voodoo stuff. So we start walking around, and she said, let's go into this one place. And I don't know, it's like the grandmother of voodoo. I don't know what they call her. I know I'm kind of tearing this story up, but y'all going to get the point in a minute. So we walked into this voodoo, this house of voodoo-ish stuff. And as soon as we walked in, we both just looked at each other and said, did you feel that? And then we just walked right on out of that <laughs> It was so weird because we didn't say anything. It was just something. It felt like when you open the freezer and a cold air hits you. That's what I felt. And I'm like, I'm from Nebraska. I am not walking up in this thing right here. That's how people die in their movies right there. I'm not dying. I'm living to tell the story. I'm out. But just walking in, you felt the presence of something that wasn't right. Never went back again. But guys, I say that because you can tell about somebody else who's trying to cover up the smell of sin. You cannot cover it up. In Philippians 3, there was a man who bragged about his righteousness. He was even faultless. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm talking about Saul. This guy went out. He was killing people that, in his heart, were fake Christians. He was the one that when they stoned the first Christian, Stephen, they laid the coat at his feet. He was standing there watching them as they killed the first Christian. So here he is, Saul. He's on another mission to go out and to kill uh, Christians. And look at Acts chapter 22. Jesus meets him on the road and has a few words with him. Acts 22, verse 6. And this is Paul giving an account. Saul, whose name turned to Paul, giving an account of what happened. In verse 6, it says, About noon as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of whom was speaking to me. What should I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you'll be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see his righteous one and hear the words of his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now what, you're, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Listen to me. You cannot get rid of the smell of sin by covering it up. You got to wash it away. That's the only way that stench of sin can be washed away. Well, what do you mean? What I mean is you need to study the Bible if you're not a baptized disciple of Jesus yet. Look at what the Bible's saying to you. Put it into practice before you get into the waters of baptism. 
Let it change your life. Start living this way. And then when you're baptized into the waters of baptism, you come out. There is no sin counted against you. Jesus is looking at you like you are born again because you are a whole nother person. Well, what if you sin later on? Then later on, you just repent. You don't need to get baptized every time you sin. You need to repent. The Bible says repent so that refreshing may occur. So if you're not a disciple yet, study the Bible. What is this disciple stuff? Let me learn this stuff. How do I become like this? Study the Bible so you can wash that sin away. Doesn't mean you'll you'll be perfect. You won't be perfect. You're still going to have the memories. You're going to have some hurts. You're going to have some pains. You're going to have all those things. But you know what? When they occur, you're going to be able to take it to the cross and realize this is how Jesus dealt with it. So now I have an example of how to deal with it. It will help your life be different. The Bible says Jesus came so we can have life to the full. He didn't come so you can have half a cup. He wanted you to have a cup that's full. Now, if you're already a Christian and yet you've had some challenges, you know what? The same thing goes for you. All you need to do is repent. You don't need to get baptized again. Don't start doubting your conversion five, ten years later. That's Satan nailing a nail in your house. Jesus died once for your sin, and as long as you walk in the light, you will continue to have refreshing and repentance of your sins. Amen? So what do I need to do? Number one, we all need to take everything to God in prayer. We need to pray, guys. This is, again, why we're having these one-on-one times in our Bible talks. So you can have some good quality prayer. Some of it, we just need to continue to pray together. That's how we're going to edify each other. Listen to our prayers. Pray for each other. We need to get help as well. Some of these things, we can't do it on our own. You know, when situations happen, we need somebody in our lives to give us a different perspective. Again, I call Sam up and I'm telling him all this stuff Lauren's doing. And he said, how did you respond? And I said, well, this is what I said back. And he said, well, did you give her an example of righteousness? It went from all the stuff she did to what am I doing? She doesn't control how I respond. I need to be a man of God. And you know what? If I'm being what I need to be, that's going to help not only her, but my whole household be what it needs to be. So it comes back to me focusing on me instead of trying to change her for the past 23 years. It is what it is at this point. Sam tells her all the time, you knew what you were getting into. I don't know why he keeps telling her that, but. So we need to pray. We need to get help. And lastly, we need to submit our lives to Jesus. What does that really mean? Honestly, I want to leave you with this challenge. If you don't understand that, study it out. See, it just gets real quiet. A lot of people come, a lot of people come to church and they want all the answers. Well, here's my answer for you. Study the Bible and study out stuff for yourself. Why? So then you know the answers. So it's your conviction and not just something you've heard. Look, be like the Bereans. Look into the Bible. Study it out. Well, let me study out submission. Let me read it. Let me just find all the words. You've got Google. People didn't used to have Google. Google stuff. You can look it up in a dictionary. There's all kind of ways to study out the Bible. 
But I want to encourage you to take your time with God deeper than you have any other time. Guys, this, we're, this year is not over with yet. We still haven't reached where we need to be at. But guys, the only way we're going to do that is if each of us are close to God and close to each other. But you can't be close to somebody if they have the stench of sin in their life. Let's help each other. Let's be mothballs for each other to repel the skunks that are out there. By the time I'm done here in the Bronx, y'all going to have a full knowledge of wilderness and animals. But also of how Satan wants to come at you. Don't let him have even a nail in your house. And to God be the glory. Amen.